You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message, but before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. About the harvest. And so it happened, uh, we, we always keep the children most of the time on Friday night, the three grandchildren. And so um, Friday before last, I was having trouble sleeping. So I got up about three in the morning, eased away from everybody and went down. And I watched a lot of Jonathan Kahn, who is a Jewish prophet, awesome man of God. And I taped his series. And so he was teaching on something called Yom Rishit in Hebrew. And it means the day of first fruit, Yom Rishit. So I'm half asleep in the morning. I thought, oh, this is really good. Then you go back to bed. So a couple of days later, I was home alone and I thought, okay, I want to hear this again. And the Lord said, as I was listening to it, he said, I have the answer to your winter is over and gone. And as I was listening to it, it just blew me away. And it's like every once in a while, the Lord will poke his finger through into where we are. He's in another realm. He's outside of this natural realm. But every once in a while, he'll poke his finger through and just say, I'm here and mess with you a little bit. And I'm telling you, the glory of God filled my living room. And I was like, all right, all right. I know you're in here. He said, here's your answer. So what we're going to do is that's been in my heart. Your winter is over and gone. And then in my personal studies, just when you get go, every time you go back to the word, I was in the book of Philemon. And so when Matthew, he said, can you teach Sunday? I thought, Lord, my heart is with your winter's over and gone, but I'm in for leaving. He said, oh, you're going to marry the two. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, let me talk a little bit about Philemon first. Philemon um, had been saved through Paul's ministry. And he had a, a slave who had run away. And so now, where does God send this slave? Where does this slave end up that has run away? He ends up in jail with Paul, one of the greatest men that ever walked the face of the earth. He ends up in jail with Paul. Now, I have a Jewish Bible that I study out of, and the theologians who wrote the Jewish Bible said most likely Paul was in prison in Rome. I told you, I shared with with you before, I've been in that prison. and And I thought, regardless of the smell, regardless of the rats that have run through, and it smells like urine. Because it's in the lower. They didn't just put Paul in a nice little padded cell. You know, they put him in the bottom, in the dungeon part. And the urine would run through and everything else and, and, and the rats and, and all that. He had no electricity, no heat, no air conditioning. It's bad. It was, it's like a round room. And yet I love it because, and I just wanted to touch the walls. I thought if Paul touched him, I, I want to touch him. And I love it because he said the word of God may be bound. He said, no, he said, I may be bound, but the word of God will never be bound. And I thought, what an honor to just step into a place where a man of God had to function. So here's Paul. He's in jail now. And this guy that has run away from Philemon, his name is Onesimus. He ends up where Paul is. Talk about divine appointment. Are you kidding me? He ends up there. And so Paul leads this guy to the Lord. But what's the right thing to do? Paul now is going to send him back to Philemon to right a wrong. 
to help him right or wrong. And that's what this whole letter is about. Now, names carry a big significance in the Bible. You can kind of get a hint of where God is going if you just dig a little bit. Philemon's name means affection, and it also means a kiss. Now, in this culture that we're in, kisses are like that. But um, I lived with my aunt in France when I was a little girl in, in Europe, and we were joking about it yesterday. You wake up in the morning kissing everybody. Now, if it is a casual person that you see on the street, you just give them a little kiss on the cheek. You can always tell relationships by how many times they kiss. So if two people, somebody you know, or maybe you work with or you're, cool, you're okay with, when you see them in Europe, you give them one kiss. If they're cool with you, you hang out with them every once in a while, you go shopping together, whatever, you give them two kisses on each cheek. If it is somebody that you love, somebody that is a family member, they'll do three. So all you have, you can watch and tell when you see two people greet each other, you know where that relationship is. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture, they kiss. That is, in fact, Paul said, greet each other with a holy kiss. For him, that was completely normal because that was a sign of affection. So Philemon's name means affectionate, and it also means to kiss. Now, that word kiss is interesting because in Hebrew, the word for worship is the word kiss. It's the same word. When you're worshiping God, you are giving him a kiss. That's what you're doing. Okay, so here's this guy, Philemon, and he has been called someone who's affectionate, who shows love, and someone who kisses and knows how to worship God, right? Now, the guy who runs away, the slave, his name is Onesimus, and it means profitable. But what does he do? He runs away. He is anything but what his name is. He runs away. But God is so good. God is so good. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Hosea, when uh, the wife has been unfaithful, and God says, that's all right, I'm a hedge up her path. So she can't find her lovers. When you got somebody you praying for that does not want to walk with the Lord. You simply say, Lord, you're going to hedge up their path. So what they were trying to get to, they can't. God said, I will hedge up to her path so she can't find her lovers. She ain't going to find nobody but me. So anyway, God hedges up Onesimus' path and he ends up in jail with Paul. And Paul is going to write this letter now to Philemon to make an appeal to him, to make an appeal to him, to receive him. Now, the beautiful thing about it is, let's just talk about Paul for a minute. Everybody here knows the word pretty much. No, you all know it. <laughs> I sit with you every Sunday. Okay, everyone in here knows about Paul. And you know that Paul was sent to send grace to the Gentiles. But no, regardless of who you are, you will miss it. Okay? You will miss it some more than others. And Paul, even though he was sent to, to teach us grace and to write one-third of the Bible, he starts out early in his ministry, and he makes a pretty little big boo-boo with Mark. Mark starts out with him and Barnabas. Mark turns back. We've talked about it. The Bible doesn't tell us why he turned back. But the Bible does say in one of the verses that he deserted them. 
okay? Even though he wasn't commissioned to go with them in the first place, he went, they took him, he went, and he went back, and the Bible says he deserted them. So when he wanted to come back later on, Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh. And it was such a bad argument between him and Barnabas that Barnabas went with Mark and Paul ended up going with Silas. Okay, so we know that the grace that Paul teaches, he wasn't quite willing to show to Mark. Now, what is grace in the Bible? It's unearned, undeserved favor. If you're sitting in here today, it's not because you got it right with God. It's not because you got it right. It's because Jesus got it right with God, and in his infinite mercy, he revealed himself to you. You responded to the gift of grace, the gift of salvation. Everything is a gift. So even though uh, Paul is is commissioned to teach the gospel, he's learning too. Just like uh, anybody that stands up here to teach the word of God, as we're teaching you, guess what? We're still learning. We don't ever reach a point, any of us, anybody that stands here, any teacher, anybody will tell you it's a constant we're still learning. Sometimes even as we're teaching. I've known times I'll be teaching and something will come out of my mouth and I'm like, boy, that sounded good. I guarantee you I didn't know it a few seconds before I said it. Now that's how the Lord works. Okay? So let's look at Philemon and then we'll get to Yom Rishit, the day of first fruits, and I'll show you this. Okay. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from my brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker. Now, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus. And we talked about, I think, the last time that I was able to minister to you. He said, why am I in chains? Let me tell you why I'm in chains. He said, because I'm a preacher of the good news, because I'm an apostle. He said, I'm doing what God told me to do. That's why I'm suffering in chains. And so he starts here. He says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner. Why is he in jail? Why is he chained up for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ? Now, another translation in the Jewish Bible, and I love it. It says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I love that, too. Because what that also is saying to me is, I may be going through something, but Rome has no jurisdiction over me. I belong to the Lord. And I love it. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If I'm a prisoner of anybody, it ain't Rome. It's him. But he lets you know also in this translation, the way I got here is for doing something right, people, not wrong. Verse 2, and to our sister Fia and to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And I highlight it because he's Paul now is writing this letter to Philemon. He says, may God give you grace. May God give you favor. May God give you mercy that you didn't earn. Okay? You didn't get there by yourself. He says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon. I always thank God because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith because he's he's got to receive this guy now that maybe even stole from him. We know he stole something because he ain't working for him. 
He's supposed to be working for him, so he's stolen something, if nothing but time. He says, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Now, don't go anywhere right there. Hold it right there. He's smart. He's appealing to the love that's in his heart. And he's saying, I want you to put into action now your faith, your love. I want you to not just talk about it. I want you to put it into action. See, you got to know what to say to the right person and when to say it. Very important. That's wisdom. I tell you a story, and I'm glad he's not in here. Stephen, he talks about uh, some of the things they used to say when they were young. Well, I forget. He was in grade school, and uh, Stephen was always energetic. Always energetic, always bouncing off of stuff, bouncing off the walls, wanting to play, doing class and all this stuff. And I was driving a teacher bananas. And I would get these little phone calls and these little reports. And so uh, I knew she was really getting frustrated. And he was the same way at home. He was the same way at home. And uh, so one night I knew it, was, um, it needed to be dealt with. So I'm sitting on the sofa and I said, Lord, how do I deal with this? He said, you're going to write her a letter, a little card. And he said, you're going to put a psalm in it. I said, okay, which psalm? He said, I'll show you. So I started looking through psalms, and I come up on Psalm 20. He said, this is the one. In Psalm 20, look at it sometimes. It says, uh, may God hear you when you cry. May God answer all your prayers. And it goes on to talk, may he give you the desires of your heart. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a prayer that you can pray for somebody. I believe David wrote it, and he um, it ends up by saying, some trust in horses and chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. But it's a beautiful prayer about, you know, what I'm believing is going to happen in your life. So I put Psalm 20 in this card, and at the bottom of it I put, I'm praying this over you. Thank you for your patience with my child. You are a blessing. Now, I didn't feel like she was a blessing. I was like, I need you to leave my child alone. I need you to be nice to my baby. I need you to be nice. I'm tired of hearing what my ba- what's wrong with my baby. But, see, God's ways are higher. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go low, and this is how you're going to do it. So I wrote this psalm, and I said, you're a blessing. Thank you for your patience with my child. So the next morning, I walk with him into the classroom. I walk up to her desk. I hand her the card. Okay, and one of the things she'd been telling me is he needs to stay away from sugar. That's what kind of reminded me of this this morning. He he uh, he he struggled forgiving me for taking him away from sugar. But anyway, uh, he never forgot that. I didn't do it long. Just, you know, but anyway, uh, was willing to try anything. So um, I walk up to a desk. I hand her this card and I leave. I, of course, I prayed over. I said, Lord, I, you know, thank you. And it's going to turn a heart. That afternoon, I go pick them up, and they would always line up in the hall. And I was waiting on them. I don't see Stephen. I thought, okay. I said, I said, uh, where, where's Stephen? And she said, oh, I just decided to give him a treat today. I let him get a Coke. I thought, and then he comes down the hall with a Coke in his hand, and he's like king for a day. You know, I think he was like in the fourth or fifth grade, and he's got a Coke. I thought we went from no, you telling me no sugar to... You let the boy get a Coke. And he was just got in the car and he was just beaming. 
So what am I saying? God will give you the wisdom to deal with each situation. All right. So here is Philemon and Paul's got to send his slave back to him. And he watch how he talks to him. Watch how he appeals to him. What did he say? He said, I am praying. He said, I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for who? All God's people. All God's people. He's strategic. And he says, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Okay, let's keep going. He says, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But, but because of our love, our love. Because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request from me. Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, he's reminding him, I'm asking you something, but don't think I haven't sacrificed. Don't think I haven't. I have given now my years to the Lord. And on top of that, I'm I'm in jail. I'm, I'm chained up. Don't think you're the only one that has to give up something. He says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child. Whoa. Onesimus, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Now, you want favor from a mama or a papa bear? Be nice to their child. Simple as that. And you will have their heart on a platter. I know for me that's how it works. You want my heart on on a platter? Be good to my children or my grandchildren. He says... I want you to show kindness to my child. Onesimus, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of of us. And you're going to find as we continue to go on, hold on just a second, you're going to find that not only is Paul going to make an appeal for this guy, Onesimus, he's also going to throw hints along the way. I sure could use him in the ministry. What a compliment. He's throwing little hints out. And this is kind of your first one. He says, but now he's very useful to both of us. Keep going. He says, I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. He would have helped me. That would have been credit to you, Philemon. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. Not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. First of all, we'll go backwards. He says it could be that you've lost him for a little while, but you might, you're going to now have him back forever. When God redeems a situation in your life, I don't care what it is. He always adds back more than was taken from you. Whatever it is in any situation, whatever was taken from you, he's always going to give back more. Okay. I love it in Ezekiel. He says double for your trouble. I'm sorry, Zechariah, double for your trouble. And then in the Old Testament, when something was restored, 20% had to be added to it. If you should pick it before she died, I heard her say he'll give it back to you in quantity, quality, and time. Quantity, quality, and time. He'll give it all back, but he's going to give back more. 
So he says, it seems you lost him for a little while, but now you're going to get him back forever. Go to verse 14. He says, I didn't want you to go back. I'm going back. But I didn't want you to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help. Why? Because you were willing, not because you were forced. Law is forcing. Law is you've got to do this. You need to do that. You should have done this. That's law. That's law. And you can do it. And it doesn't even have to be from the heart. You know, I love the car, the little uh, cartoon they used to have. You tell a child to sit down and underneath it says, he, is, he would say, I'm sitting down, but I ain't sitting down in my heart. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it because you made me, but in my heart, I'm standing up. And, you know, that's not what the Lord wants. Grace is you do it from the heart. You do it because you're motivated by love. You do it because you've experienced God's love, and that's all that pours out of you. Law is, well, this is a rule. Did I keep one? Did I keep two? That's not what God wants. Verse 14, I didn't want you to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. Okay, let's keep going. 16, he says, he is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. There's that little hint again. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. And that's a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a picture of Jesus standing before the Father. That's a picture of saying, charge what they did to me. Charge it to me. Keep going. He says, I, Paul, and he must have uh, capitalized it and all of that because in the Jewish Bible, this is exactly how it looks. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Let's stop right here. That's powerful. But he did mention it. <laughs> I won't mention that you owe me your soul, but you just mentioned it and you put it in capital letters. But what he's saying is, remember now, the light that you're walking in, the God that you now serve, Yeshua, the Messiah, I introduced you to him. Don't forget I was the one. Don't forget it was me. Don't forget, you are facing heaven because of me. He says, I write this with my own hand. This is me. This is me, Philemon. He says, whatever he owes you, I'll repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me. Not just money and time that may have been robbed from you by this guy. You owe me your soul. He says, yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Go ahead. And this is the end. He says, Ephraim, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. And so do Mark. So do Mark, Aristarchus. Demas and Luke, my co-workers. So Mark now is back with him. 
And not just back with him. Mark now that he didn't want to travel with and he didn't want to give another chance. Now Mark is working with him. Talk about restoration. He says, my co-workers, and may the grace, the unmerited favor for Lehman, the unmerited favor, the mercy that you receive from God that you could not earn. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, I can only imagine when he got this letter, what would you have done? I would say, bring him, send him. Does he need any money to get here? This is Paul. This is Paul. And this was the wisdom of God. And he's making uh, uh, an appeal to Philemon. Now, all three of these guys in this story, this one story, are faced with an issue. Philemon's faced with one, Onesimus is faced with one, and then so is Paul. Let's talk about Philemon. Philemon's issue is, remember that his name is affectionate or to give a kiss. How do I forgive? I was wronged. How do I forgive? And a lot of times, I remember the scripture says that we should be quick to forgive so that we don't let a root of bitterness grow in our heart. And uh, you can get hit with some stuff. Sometimes you're like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what just happened? And, and, and you struggle. We know what we should do, but we got hit and we got to forgive. And so Philemon, um, he's, he's faced with an issue. You know, now slaves back in that day were not like the slaves that you're thinking of now. They're not like the slaves that were put on the boat from Africa and brought here or slave trafficking or the the mentality that you have. It was a little different back in this day. Household slaves particularly could work their way into freedom. And then some of them, when they became free, became very prosperous. So it wasn't the type that you're thinking now. But nevertheless, it was still slavery. And I don't know anybody that wants to be a slave. I don't know anybody that wants to be a slave. And so, uh, but anyway, I'm sorry, I lost, lost my train of thought. I was looking at my husband. And so Philemon is facing a dilemma. He's got to forgive. And I, I'm sure all of you can testify that that's not always easy, depending on the blow that came. Okay? Now, Onesimus is facing a, a dilemma. Because if he goes back, he's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have a guarantee that Philemon ain't going to do something about it. Evidently, he was in jail one time. Okay. <laughs> All right. He ran away and ended up in jail. So he's got to go back. He doesn't know if his, if his master is going to be nice or cruel. He doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't know the consequences of going back to try to make something right. Paul is facing a dilemma. What's his dilemma? He has said over and over in this letter, this guy is profitable to me in the kingdom. I really could use him. And a lot of people, when they saw Paul go to jail, they deserted him. He spoke about it, I believe, in 2 Timothy, and he mentioned it more than once. And he would say, this person left, that person left. May the Lord deal with them. You know, here I am at my lowest point, and they walked away from me. And now he's found somebody, Onesimus, that he loves. He calls him my own child. He's profitable to in the kingdom. And now what does he got to do? He's got to send him back in hopes that he'll see him again. So they all are facing these dilemmas. All right. Now, I want to talk to you about Yom Rashid, the day of first fruits, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the power to experience and to walk in 
newness in every area and to walk in the resurrection of every situation that we ever need. And that's what I want to talk about. And the Lord said, you're going to merge the two because they are connected. I said, all right. Yom Rashid. Okay. Um, Leviticus. Leviticus 23. And these are my last three verses that, that I'm going to give you. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land and I am giving you, when you enter the land I am giving you, harvest its first crops and you harvest its first crops. Bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will will lift up his Oh, I'm so sorry. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. Now, let me explain to you what's going on. When they are to go into the land, they planted their seeds and there's harvest time. But before they can do anything with this harvest, they've been instructed to take the first fruits of the harvest, take it to the temple Give it to the priest and he holds it up before the Lord. And it's like a wave offering and it's called the first fruits. And when they do that, certain things happen. First of all, it marks the end of winter. It is it's the day after the Sabbath, the day of Rashid. It marks the end of winter. And it marks it's on the eighth day and it marks the beginning of something totally brand new. It marks the beginning of your harvest. And not just a harvest, a fruitful harvest. Okay? And it means everything, and it's a, it's a picture. It's a picture that everything in your life that did not produce, everything that your life, in your life that seemed cursed, everything in your life that was dead, all of a sudden now, now, there's life, there's newness, there's a new beginning, there's fruitfulness. Your flowers are appearing upon the earth. Everything is new. Now, when was our Lord and Savior resurrected? He died on Passover. On Shabbat, he was in the tomb. On the eighth day, resurrection day, the day after Shabbat, the day of first fruits, he was resurrected. In the Hebrew calendar, he was resurrected on Yom Rashid. He was resurrected and he was raised up as our first fruit before the Father. And when he was raised up, whenever they raised up that first fruit, it meant that the rest of the harvest was consecrated, set apart for God. He was raised up as our first fruit, which makes us consecrated to the Lord. All right. Now, it represents a brand new beginning in every area of your life. Newness, beginning, new birth, everything there is alive because our first fruit, Jesus Christ, has been raised up. Okay. How does Yom Rishit affect Philemon? How does Yom Rishit affect Onesimus and Paul? Philemon now has the ability because he has received unmerited favor by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he now has the power to forgive. If he can't forgive him because he robbed him, he can forgive him because now he's a brother in Christ. He now has the ability through the resurrection power of Jesus to lay it down. 
And now he'll get somebody who's not just working for him because he has to. He'll get somebody who's working for him as unto the Lord. He'll get somebody he can trust with his very life. How about Onesimus? He can come back and he can trust his future to God. I remember we were in uh, South Africa and we walked into a, a Christian bookstore. And I always loved this, uh, a woman, uh, Corey Ten Boom. She, uh, she and her family used to hide Jews when the Nazis were killing them in Europe. And uh, awesome woman of God. And she's, she's in heaven now. And when I walked into this bookstore a couple of years ago, they had these little book bags. And on the book bag was a quotation by Corey. And it said, you can trust an unknown future to a known God. And I must have bought about three or four of those things. I was like, I want another one. I want another. You can trust an unknown future to a known God. And so Onesimus now can trust whatever happens to him to the Lord. And he now has the, the courage and the strength to go back. And what about Paul? This was a guy who was killing Christians. And the first one that is recorded in the Bible that he killed was a uh, young man named Stephen. And the Bible says that Paul watched the coats of everybody, their belongings, while they stoned him to death. And the Bible says he was consenting until the end. And then he was trying to get permission. That's why he was on the road to Damascus, trying to get permission to get people and put them in Christians, put them in prison, kill them, whatever he could do. He thought we were the enemy until he had his God encounter. Now, because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he is no longer killing Christians. He is chained up in the worst situation, in the worst jail you can probably find. And what is he doing? Leading people to Christ. Even in chains. He's still leading people to Christ. Come on now. Still being a witness for Jesus Christ. That's what the resurrection power of Jesus does. Because of Yom Rashid, because he's been raised up and he is the first fruit, everything else, we're consecrated people. We've been set aside. And we can, and it is the official, Yom Rashid is the official day to say that your winter is over for Israel. And it is also the official day for us that what was not producing in our life before is not only producing now, but it's fruitful. Because you see, God doesn't want just fruit. He wants fruitfulness. And when they say the day of first fruits, they're really saying a couple of things here. It's the day of the first harvest, right? Yeah. But it's also representing a first fruit for where you didn't have a harvest before. You can have one now. It can be your first fruit. If you never had a harvest there, you got one now. And he doesn't want just fruit, you to be fruitful in the natural realm, money and, and possessions and things. He wants fruitfulness, joy in your heart, peace in your heart, relationships restored. He wants fruitfulness. He wants fruitfulness. And the day of the first fruit gives us that. It gives us that and more through Jesus Christ. And it gives all three of these guys, Philemon, Onesimus, 
and Paul the ability to walk in a way that honors the Lord and fulfills his will for all three of them. And they're able to in- interact simply because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it's a picture that for us, whatever we need, whenever we need it, it's already been done. And we have the power to walk in newness of life. And I announce to you that your winter is over and gone. And your flowers are appearing upon the earth simply because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that there is no limit in you. There's no limit. There is no limit. The roof is off. Jesus has been waved up as our lifted up as our first offering and he has been received. And for that reason, we enjoy resurrection power every day, newness every day. And we make a declaration that our winter is over and where there has been barrenness no more. It is official. Our winter is over. And our flowers and everything that we need, our harvest is appearing upon the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.